What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the US, but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. All my little corn kernels. Oh. I'm the great and powerful mystery. <laughs> I am the uh, magnificent Jay. It together we're Chris's Corn Podcast. Remember, we have Patreon. We have t-shirts for sale. All that good stuff. Like, share, scrub, subscribe, subscribe, smash buttons. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell we're such professionals. Uh, Jay, you threw me off when you laughed at my little corn kernels. <laughs> I wasn't thing. ready for that. I know. I wasn't ready for you to laugh in my face. <laughs> my little corn kernels. This is going to be a much more educational episode. And it has the only cryptid, I think, in the world like this. Okay. We went over this last night a little right, bit. Right, right, right. This is a cryptid that's been created by science. The other way around. Yes. Science says, no, this creature should exist. Why aren't you guys seeing this? Mm-hmm. Why isn't nobody reporting this? Why are there no records? This yep. is an animal in an area where they're like, no, this doesn't make sense. There that, should be here. Yeah, exactly. And this is the first probably account that I know of there where this happened. I, 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 I'm I, not a cryptid expert. I do know a lot of cryptids and a lot about them. Mm-hmm. I've never heard this before with any of them. Me either. This is a rabbit hole with inside of a rabbit hole of another cryptid because for everybody at home, the Trinity's Alps giant salamander is not a very known cryptid. Right. Uh, people like Ken Gerhard talk about it, stuff like that. You know, more of the big names in cryptozoology know about it. But your average person that loves cryptozoology doesn't know much no. about it. No, there's not. It's, and it's probably my favorite cryptid. The giant salamander? The Trinity's Alps giant salamander. Specifically, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think is for reasons, but I think they fully exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just a case of misidentification. 
Mm. I think they get caught a lot. Man, I wish someone would get down and figure that mystery out one mm-hmm. day. Well, I know somebody with a big van. Hmm. Vicky. <laughs> Nobody at home knows who that is. And for good reason. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so this is the episode. This this episode will be about the European giant salamander. And then we're going to go into just giant salamander history in biology in general. Okay. Because uh, I'm using this as an excuse to torture everybody. And talk about salamanders. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So the start of the article. Since the known modern day of giant salamanders from East Asia and China and Japan described over a century or described over a century ago, little has been written about comprehensible giant salamanders in the overseas regions and Californian coast. So just a little bit has been written about them. All the giant salamanders of the ancient ge- genus are members of Andreas. Mm. Uh, that's the family. Uh, so, yeah. The Andreas family formed in the group of the largest salamanders of the world nowadays. This is probably the only remaining genus that was survived in modern times, excluding the hellbender. And we'll talk more about him later. Okay. That's called, he had convergent evolution to look very similar to the Andreas. Uh, but Europe during the moderate, or the, during the Miocene in the subsequent Pleistocene epoch was basically, uh, there's, I can read all these big words. That's not what people are here for. There was two or three or four really big families of giant aquatic salamanders. Uh, the Andreas and the Ucranius are the two big ones. The Ucranius named after the Ukraine region where it's where oh, it was okay. found. I was just saying, <laughs> these words mean nothing to me. So most of the time, animals are named after where they're found. Okay. Or after the person that found them. Okay. So Andreas, I'm going to bet it's a guy named... Andreas. Right. Or he had a teacher named Andreas. Most of the times you name an animal after somebody you respected. Oh, wait, these are the big salamanders, right? Yeah. Maybe are, maybe they were named after Andre uh, the Giant. I think these were f- described a little before his time. Oh, okay. But yeah, so uh, th- those are the two largest species of giant salamander, the Andreas and the Ukrainus. And uh, that's from the family Carptobronchiidae. Carptobronchiidae. Okay. okay. Uh, and that's hellbenders do fall into that family. So they are they are slightly split. Okay, gotcha. The fossil record also shows a diverse and related giant salamander species that survived in North America at the same time, and having arrived from Europe before the North American split, the fall of Cretaceous, that would be the Hellbenders. Okay. So they split from the Andrea salamanders, which are the giant Japanese, giant Chinese are our modern versions. Mm-hmm. The Hellbenders did split from them before the continent split. So before, okay. That's how they got over there. Gotcha. And that's where we're getting at is why it's so weird. They all kind of seem to split from Europe. Okay. So Europe was like the original. The home area. Yes. Yeah, so starting Euro- point. Asia. And they spread out from there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, where was I? This makes us wonder what's left of the ancient giant salamanders since the Asian ones still thrive and more or less. And the American ones are rare and elusive in some of their areas. And the Californian giants are even more rare, or mm. more reluctant to show themselves. So this article does believe that the Trinity's Alps giant salamander is a real species, mm-hmm. or was a real species. Okay. They kind of, later on in this article, they kind of go into talking about the Trinity's Alps giant salamander of dying out maybe in the 70s and the 80s. So very recent. Yeah. Uh, they do, and that's mainly because of the people that seen it. And mm-hmm. We talked about in the episode, a lot of the people that seen it were herpetologists. 
were biologists mm-hmm. or people that their whole careers were studying salamanders looking for them and not looking for not looking for the Chinese Alps giant salamander but being a witness to that animal gotcha okay so these are the most credible people for that field saying that yeah we've seen it and they said that because it wasn't so weird because just across the ocean there's the same thing mm-hmm. just east thriving the same thing right right so it makes sense that there would be one in the middle and it also makes sense there'd be one in europe so only a few remaining species have been described uh, from this long-known distinct region or distinct family group. Uh, you have the Japanese giant Andreas japaconus. You have the Chinese giant salamander Andreas daviersonius. You have the North American hellbender, and that is Cryptobronchius. And then they put SP because we'll, there's two subspecies we'll talk about. It's really cool. Okay. It's really cool if you like salamanders. Right, yeah. Uh, the European counterparts, however, remain a great mystery at this once at this once super diverse family. Uh, so we're talking about this kind of regional belt around the top of the planet. So we see species that so like there's walleye and pike in Russia and in England and mm-hmm. in the U.S. All in that like because they come from latitude. This, yeah, yeah. So they come from that same split. So they we're saying that the salamanders did the same thing. We know they did. Because they're here in the U.S. and they're in Asia, they're on both sides of the U.S. Mm-hmm. If we're going with the Trinity's Alps giant salamander being a real, a real solid species, still right, still yeah, thriving. Some even if they're not, even if you believe they went extinct in the '80s. Okay, I'm talking a species that made it into modern times. Okay, gotcha. So why doesn't Europe have one? Mm. That's weird. It's 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 that's what this paper is getting at. Is it's very odd. That there's not even historic reports. And Europe has a long history of documentation. Right, yeah. Not even one person in Germany wrote about, oh, I found a big snot dog. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what they're called? That's what hellbenders are called. Snot dogs? Snot puppies. Okay. Because uh, they'll come up to you in the water and stuff like that. They're like big snot dogs. Oh, interesting. What do you mean they'll come up to you in the water? Like, to they'll check you out? check you out, yeah. Okay. They can't do anything. To, they can bite you. But that's not it? not really going to do anything. They have little teeth. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't want to, it would not be something you'd want to get willingly bit by. Right, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so all four of the species are the IUCN's assignment reports is seriously in decline or having diverse ecological problems according to conservation and protective measures. So that's called red listing. Uh, that's animals, like think of pandas. Okay. That's when everybody knows. They're, they're struggling really hard in the wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all four of the main species have been somewhat red listed. Okay. So they are having population problems. Hellbenders are having population problems, which we'll get into later of why they're having such heavy population problems. The Trinity's Alps giant salamanders population problems were probably because they built a giant reservoir in the middle of its habitat range. Right. Yeah. So it cut off the adult. If they're still around, they're, they're making do, but why they may have had a heavy reduction is they cut off the adults area and the, the, breeding area or the nursery area Mm -hmm. so now the adults if they still exist are having more trouble getting to that area to reproduce right makes sense uh so the discovery of these giant salamanders of europe is shown to prove that at least two species one very large specimen which is probably a young adult was about uh 1.3 meters long another showing a young uh tadpoles the tadpole stage it's a larva it's not they're not tadpoles uh its existence is known 
from only one article published in Nature in Nature and Places on a few blogs later. This elusive mystery giant salamander of Europe. Okay. So we do have remains. So this is the first. This is why this article is coming out. Is they have found something. Uh, I, I we'll get into it. How old these remains are? If there's any eyewitnesses, stuff like that. But yeah. So they found remains in Europe. Yeah, of, of a species. They have an adult. Or no, not an adult. A juvenile. Okay. Which is a one point three meters. So right at four feet ish. Oh, okay. Not small. No, not at all. A, and that's a juvenile. And a larva. And a larva. And that's all they have? Yeah. On the record? So they started looking for them, mm. and they kind of found them. Okay, where'd they find them? Well, they just... I'm not sure which part of... Oh, where, I see where you're saying. Europe. They yeah. found the a juvenile and the larva. Yeah. Okay, now I understand. Yeah. So if we look for eyewitnesses and wildlife reports of some of these strange cryptids seen in shallow waters in central of, uh, set in central of West Europe... That was a hard one to read. Central of West. (laughs) Right, yeah. In ancient times could be many uh, distinct relatives of surviving populations of this species if the circumstances of its habitat are sustainable and large enough to support the food and resource shelters of these large amphibians. So there's a name. I'm not going to try to write it because I think it's Belgian. Okay. But it's Bernard is his first name. And then it's... Oh, I know him. Yeah has written early of several different giant salamanders in diverse regions in Europe. Next to this, we probably have to do uh, the next thing that is happening around, and it's the Tratzel worm. And this is actually a cryptid that's uh, pretty cool. The Tratzel? That The Tratzel worm, the Tratzel worm. Okay. Uh, worm is in uh, serpent. Like bobbit worm? No. Okay. That's worm. Oh, yeah. This is worm. I don't understand what you're saying. You are. W-U-R-M. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like dragon. Yes. Uh, so, looking to provide the Museum of Wildlife region or eyewitnesses which have re- of this recently supposed extinct species. So, uh, they the fossils were not that old. Uh, I think they were within like a million years. Okay. Uh, so, they, they were there. Like the Danish Zoological, or the Zoological Museum, quite recently happened a brand new snake or sea snake was found after several decades ago being collected in the mediterranean sea region so what they're saying is i know this article's hopping around it's been translated if you can't tell yeah uh this was originally in i think german i got it okay so i'm having a little trouble with it because its original reading language is not english (laughs) right yeah yeah uh so they found Hmm. that what they're saying is four decades ago they had one specimen of a sea snake in the mediterranean sea when it, they disappeared. Okay. They just rediscovered it. Oh, sweet. Okay. So it's been hiding out. And this is the European giant salamander, Andreas Ludificatius. I think it's like Ludro. Ludificatius. I, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, early modern Europe sal- giant salamanders. But yeah, and then I have stuff about giant salamanders and stuff like that later. So this is one that science kind of this this these this group of scientists went through like well why aren't we having them and they dug and then they found them right okay so scientists found remains of this species that they supposed to exist and then they went out into cryptids what do you mean that's what the transal worm they started looking at reports of these monsters okay and saying these maybe these are actually the reports of giant salamanders 
Because mm. we've talked about a little bit before with the Fire Salamers, Salamers in Europe got villainized mm-hmm. of being associated with witchcraft and spells and things like that. They're just salamanders. Right, yeah. Uh, but so they're now they're looking at more of these mythical beasts of taking these as accounts of transworms. The transworms were big, two-legged, eel, serpent-like animals that would crawl into wells and eat kids. Oh, nice. They love the water. Okay. Uh, slimy. Slimy yet satisfying? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Pumbaa. <laughs> yeah. So they're there. And they kind of think, I think this article goes on to kind of express that they think that they may have been, um, they may already be extinct. Europe's had severe population reductions in most of their species. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's there's some areas of Europe that only have four fish species left. So we're talking the salamanders are be extinct. Yes. The okay. European giant salamander. salamander. Yeah. That is theorized to exist. And then they went out and they found b- bones. Right. And then they went out and they went to look at cryptids. As maybe actual reintelligence. Because they're like, well, we have every other animal is talked about mm-hmm. in somewhere. But not these. But not these. So maybe they're being described as monsters. Or, yeah, like misidentified. Yes. Yeah. And so when you don't call a biologist, you call a priest. And then they stomp the death with a shovel. <laughs> and that's the end of that. Yeah. That's not, that don't go in the science books or the literature. And people are, you can be really surprised at how small a stream can home a very large salamander. Okay. Like six, you know, six-footer Chinese giant salamanders will live in, like, these little brooks that are a couple feet wide. Really? Okay. And they'll move around. They can get out and kind of drag themselves along for yeah. a short period if they got to get around a structure. Uh, they don't like to be out of the water. They breathe through their skin, mostly. Hmm. So they're, uh, I don't know if they're true lungless salamanders. I have to look. But we have little or lungless salamanders. They don't have lungs or gills. They literally only breathe through their skin. So they got to be in the water? Yeah, it's how they transfer oxygen the best. Right, yeah. Uh, so they can still do it on land, but it's not as good. Mm-hmm. It's like holding your breath, kind of. Okay. You can get a lot further on a holding of your breath. So it's safe to pick them up out of the water. You see biologists do it on TV and stuff like that. They'll pick them up. And, and you want to hurt them. Yeah. But you yeah. leave them out for a few days. Yeah, they'll they'll have some trouble. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So what do you think about this, the way that this, this group of scientists went around for this giant salamander? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, they had a good approach. They found the the fossils, I guess. Is that what they were? Fossilized? Or were they yeah, just, they were fossilized. They found those, but and good on them to find a juvenile and a larva. Yeah. Like a juvenile that which was almost four feet. Yeah. How how did they know it was a juvenile though? I'm gonna guess just by bone development. Okay. Uh, a lot of salamanders have different life stages. Okay. So by their bones, how they're they're transforming their bodies as they're going. So it's it's pretty fairly easy to tell an adult versus a juvenile, okay. basically whether they're sexually mature or they're not. Okay. So even though they're large, like uh, we have stuff called neotonic salamanders that are terrestrial salamanders supposed to go on land after a while, mm-hmm. but they go neotonic, which is they stay in their larval stage, like oxalotls. Oxalotls are supposed to be land salamanders. They just oh. they lost that ability. It's called neotonism. Okay. That'll come back up again later. Okay. You're going to learn a lot about salamanders today. I already am. But yeah, it's if more scientists did this, imagine they did this with Bigfoot. I know, right? And they just said, "Huh, it's weird. There's no apes in North America. Shouldn't what, we? Shouldn't there be? Right? Shouldn't there's something? Apes, be there? There's apes below in South America. There's apes where the land bridge was crossed. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go look for apes in North America. Everything else was here. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then you find bones." And then you go off of that, like, oh, let's get cryptids. Yeah. 
uh, folklore. Right, exactly. Myths, legends. Yeah. Which is where Bigfoot lives. Yeah. It, like, that's where he lives now. Right. So it's like, I wish more people would take this thought, this this pattern. And put of, it yeah. in other areas. Yeah. Yeah, it would be a huge boost to the Bigfoot community, but just in discovery in general, be a huge boost. But, you know, we have to all live in that box of this can't be. So don't go looking for it because it can't exist. Where this has a whole opposite approach. This should exist. Where the heck is it? Completely different. Yeah. I don't know. I love it. I, this was a fun story. And this popped up as a rabbit hole. I was doing more research for the Trinity is Alp Strength Salamander. Mm-hmm. And this thing, I clicked on it and I couldn't read it. And then at the bottom of the page, you click to, to translate. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's kind of written a little funky. Yeah. It's because the computer can't translate everything perfectly. We lose some grammatical correctness. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's written one way in German, and I think it was German, or maybe in Belgium. I don't, I'm not sure. It was some European language. Is it Belgium or Belgish? <laughs> Belgish. <laughs> it's Belgish writing. So I have a little, <laughs> I have a little fun article for, or this is a different article, but they have a little fun intro into giant salamanders, so I thought it was fun. Okay. Okay. So giant salamanders. <laughs> Not really a water monster, but if you saw one of these very large salamanders in a stream, you may feel that a water serpent was coming for you. Recently in Kansas, the hellbender salamander, Cryptobronchius alleganius, America's giant salamander has been found and many released into the waters. These are also known as such loving and endearing names as devil dogs, (laughs) snot monsters, and Justin's personal favorite, Lasagna lizards. The what? Lasagna lizards. Lasagna lizard. And that name, so without taking a break from the article, that name comes from these ridges on the side of their body okay. that they're using kind of like gills. Oh, but so they're again, folded. They, yeah, they have really wrinkly folded skin. Looks like so a lasagna looks layers. Like a lasagna layer. Hmm, okay. So I just thought it was cute. That is, that's fun. That's a fun name. And they're being reintroduced into Kansas. Hmm. So we think, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But due to water pollution and other reasons, their numbers have been greatly reduced. Heroic efforts by several agencies are trying to bring these uh, monsters back into our streams. Different agencies, such as the Defenders of Wildlife and the St. Louis Zoo, have raised young hellbenders and now are releasing them back into Kansas and Missouri's waters. In Kansas, they were released into the Narso River, Spring River, and Shoal Creek systems. Hmm. If you see something strange in a bottom of clear oxygenated water, the hellbender are large, stout-bodied creatures. They may be brown, tan, gray, yellow, black, or a mix of all of these colors. Hmm. Uh, the young have er- internal gills until they get about four to five inches in length, around 18 months old. Adults have large folds of skin down their sides. Their heads are flat and wide. Their eyes are far set. These can grow up to 11 to 23 inches in length, and the largest found in Kansas was a whopping 29 inches, which uh, which might make you think of some sort of water monster. I wonder if this could be related to the legends of Sinkhole Sam. What? Did you think I was going full circle? I did not. I didn't know Sinkhole Sam was coming up. Uh-huh. That's why this article came up. I wasn't even researching Hellbenders or anything. Ah. I was looking back into our friend. Sinkhole Sam. And this new article came up. So that's an interesting theory, is that maybe some of these... So hellbenders aren't really known for Kansas, because by the time we started really documenting this stuff, they mm-hmm. were pretty much out the door. Okay. Uh, 
And we're finding that they may have had a much larger range than we thought. Okay. Maybe very large. Like world, like worldwide? Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, California. Uh, right. Kansas, but like, so Kansas is a part of the Mississippi drainage, though. Okay. So they were, haven't really been found in the Mississippi drainage. There's a little evidence, maybe, they were in the Great Lakes drainage. That's not guaranteed. Salamanders in the Great Lakes? There's there's mud puppies there. Well, that's hellbenders. Well, yeah, they may have made it to the Great Lakes. Okay. Uh, there's there's a little bit of evidence for that, not a lot. Uh, but I guess the big one is that mud puppies are there and in the Mississippi drainage. Mm-hmm. So it's quite possible that hellbenders made the same trip. Right, yeah. Because one's good for the goose, good for the gander kind of deal. I mean, you never came across one in your whole not river? Not in the Great Lakes. I... I uh, we did shock one on accident in Ohio, and we had to get the Hellbender team. Uh, I love Hellbenders; it's mm-hmm. pain for my old job. Gotcha. Because we had to stop and make sure, you know it was just it's a lot. Makes sense for what I was doing that day. Okay. Because uh, I couldn't get near the thing. You just had to watch it yeah. and follow it down mm-hmm. the river, which yeah. I'm sure was and fun. It was not happy that you were following it. We just shocked the hell out of it. Oh, gotcha. Okay. No, we didn't shock it that bad. We seen it before we got up on it. We thought it was a big mud puppy, though. Yeah. It was not a large hellbender. Okay. So it would have been a large mud puppy, which we'll get into both species later. Okay. So we're having this range of like, so let's Sinkle Sam. Let's go back to his design. I know we have a t-shirt that has Sinkle Sam on it, but this historically he said to have our t-shirt is a little more of a fun design. Yeah. Retake on Sinkle Sam. The big teeth weren't ever really reported, but. We used our artistic license. Thank you, Pear. Yes. Big flat head, though. Okay. And that's what Pear really did right, was that that big, wide-set flat head. The long, serpentine kind of body, and no visible arms or legs. Hellbenders have really chunky, close-to-the-body arms and legs. Okay. Big, strong, paddle-like tails. I was going to say, they move in one big... Yeah, more like a fish. Motion when they're swimming, yeah. A fish or an alligator. Most of them, they're crawling along the bottom, and they live in like little cutbacks and holes and caves. Okay. So, single sand. Mm-hmm. Lived in a cave. Yep, he sure he did. Come out and eat, and then you go back in. Hellbender, well, not hellbenders in particular. Giant Japanese salamanders can come very accustomed to being fed. Okay. Uh, there are little areas. They, they, I can't remember. I don't want to pretend I know anything about Japanese culture, <laughs> but there's little areas where I think they feel it's really good luck if that they, they feed the salamanders. Yeah. For some reason, one of their, I don't know how to put lesser gods or whatever. Okay. One of the lower deities. Yeah. Is the giant Japanese salamander. Even though some of them think, used to historically think they were kappas. Okay. Which are bad. Yeah, right, right. Now they kind of have a more revered look. Okay. So these salamanders can get habituated to being fed very easily, very quickly. So it kind of makes sense that after somebody in the Crystal Clear Lake in Kansas, looking down, seeing a six-foot salamander, how it's still bigger than any hellbenders ever been reported. Right, yeah. Let's say it's a really old one. Mm-hmm. Uh... I think the biggest hellbender is like four feet. Okay. Uh, which is still massive. Let's say it's a four or five foot salamander at the bottom. Crystal Clear Lake, you throw it a hot dog because it's you're using for bait or whatever. It eats it, and you're like, huh. And then it goes back in its hole. You do that a couple times, you tell your buddies, hey, there's a monster in the bottom of the lake. You throw it at food, and it comes out. Yeah. After a couple weeks, a couple years of this, they are very long-lived animals. So after a couple years of this, now a boat parks... He's out for the show. Right, exactly. He'll swim up towards you a little bit. He'll do a little, you know, maybe circle at the bottom. And you feed him, and he goes back in his hole. Yep. He just wants a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. 
cheeseburgers. He was fed hamburgers. Uh, the family always fed him fried chicken. Yep. That was a hell of a life for that salamander. I know, right? Uh, are you are you like converting yourself here to say Cinco Sam might be a giant salamander? I fully always believed Cinco Sam existed. Me I don't too. think we ever got to anywhere between him being a giant eel or giant catfish or maybe this new light. Right. Uh, but he could be a giant salamander. That would make sense. I was always, you know, I put most of these like river monsters as giant eels. Right, yeah. But single Sam could make sense just because the habituation in the activity. It sounds like you're convincing yourself. Are you convinced? A little bit. There you go. That's a little all that bit. matters. Well, just Jay me. speaks for the people. Yeah, I am. I'm one of the people. So... Speaking of lake monsters and giant salamanders, what if the most famous lake monster was, was a giant salamander? You mean like Nessie? What if Nessie's a giant salamander? Well, I'm glad you asked, Jay, because I have articles for that. Oh, no way. Yeah. This is an old theory. This is one of the, the first theories. So I want to make something very clear. We're going to have a whole Loch Ness episode one day, I promise. Uh, Nessie did not have a long neck. I want to be flat about that. You're just that came from 1954. That movie came out, mm-hmm. and about so before that, Nessie was always seen as a big hump or a big overturned boat okay. swimming through the lock. Sometimes on land, a lot of times on land. Uh, the big long neck didn't come till after like the 19. I think it was 1954. Like the Loch Ness monster yeah. movie came out, and that monster had a long neck. Okay. So then about half the sightings there on out had long necks yeah so when i did my research for college i did a big essay on loch ness i threw all those out what the long neck ones yeah because they don't match the two thousand years of history before before it yeah there you go so not Hmm. to say that they didn't see something but already they're in my head imagining what they want to see okay makes sense so just because it's a log in the water now it has a long neck or now the overturned boat stories still existed Mm -hmm. they still exist to this day Nessie was just seen, I, she hasn't been seen in a while, credibly. Mm-hmm. But I think she was seen in like 2013 for the last big one. Okay. She's probably dead. Don't say that. She, she's forever living. In our hearts, she will. Absolutely. Like Harambe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Ohio. That <laughs> shoot gorillas. So the Loch Ness Monster news on the giant salamander theory. So this is a relatively new article about an old thought. Okay. Uh, Steve... Plumback? I'm going to go plumback. The first word is plum. Okay. <laughs> the second word is either back or back. Close enough. But I don't speak European. Okay. <laughs> uh, so over, his, the, over his, the history at his blog, Nessie Authority, Ronald uh, Watson, has a fantastic story that he focuses on the theory that Loch Ness Monster may be a giant salamander. It should be noted that the salamander angle is not a new one. But by this account... Ronald shares, or Ronald shares with us, it begins as follows. I received a message from another Nessie fan, Polio Barchiadier, it looks Italian, uh, about a story he heard back in 1983. This was Polio's second visit, visit to the lock in four years, and he wanted to ask various locals who were older whether they had seen the monster or not. One lady who Polio thinks was Mrs. McKenzie claimed to have had a land sighting back in the summer of 1992 near Borbalum Bay. Polio, from her reference to the notes he made at the time, uh, rather than remembering the conversation 30 year, 37 years later, 
uh, she stumbled upon a creature which was no more than six feet in length, had a general appearance that of a large salamander, but not quite the same. It was very dark in color, and she noticed it had two external or extended nostrils on its head, which had been described as that of a snail. Hmm, okay. Uh, which we'll get to in a second. Pollier said this reminded him of the famous Gertrude Finland sighting of 1952, though the neck did not seem quite long enough. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of these sightings, there's more I'll, I'll add in a second. I think that Gertrude, is that what you said? Mm -hmm. I, I think I know that story. I think Didn't it cross the road in front yeah. of her? Okay. I think the long neck is starting to be imagined in the 50s. Or that's what... Your mind can really play tricks on you. Absolutely. Did I do the duck thing on here yet? Yeah. Uh, yes, I believe you have. Okay. Um, I think we did it in one of our interviews. I'm almost certain you did. Okay. So if you want to see a monster with a long neck and you see a monster... It's going to have a long neck in yeah. your head. I see Even it. if you don't pay attention to that, if you just see this big head, because mm -hmm. this has a quite a large head, but the creature she's seen is six feet in length. Not out of the question. No, not at all. Uh, the colors are right. And these big, long nostrils... Keep a pin in that. I'll come back to that. Okay. I'll just, okay. We'll just, keep, we'll just tab that one up on the board. Ronald added, having watched the creature for a good five or so minutes, she drew near to it, and its inertness of this creature made her think that it was either dead or asleep. So she gets up to this thing. It doesn't do anything. Hmm. Uh, very salamander-like. Okay. Like, oh, crap. Natural behavior? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, don't see me. Yeah. I don't want to move. Yeah. They're very lazy by nature. Okay. Uh, but since she was now so near, she started to reach out and touch its tail. Brave lady. Yeah. I like this lady a lot. Yeah. Uh, she told Polio, I think that's his name, Polio. Polio. We'll go Polio, so it's not the disease. Okay. That it was like touching a snail. Uh, like the flesh of the animal fled back to the water. So in a flash, the animal fled back to the water. Okay. So she starts touching, squeezing the tip of its tail. It's very fleshy, slimy, Slim, cold. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like a flash, it's you know it fled back to the water. She saw two distinct paddle-like limbs. Ooh. So many of you know that there, I lean towards the paranormal aspect of the Nancy mystery. That's the author, not me. Okay. Uh, they said, though, that the creature are not paranormal in nature then, for me, the salamander scenario is highly likely. I agree with them. The strongly suggest that it was a young specimen. The reason of the reports of Nessie being much, much bigger. This makes so much sense that one would be uh, relieved or be relieved that there are actually young Nessies. And this is by Stephen Plumback again. Right. So they're saying this could possibly have been a juvenile nessie that's what he's thinking there's more to his article if you guys want to go back and read it the salamander theory uh dates back to like i'm trying to find if he says it it's very old the salamander theory has been brought up over the last couple hundred years several times um what's the biggest salamander we have on record like of the fossil record oh we have some that reach 20 30 feet okay so uh, this could I, 20 th i think Kuliosuchus. Uh, we, I always call him Kool-Aid Man. He's one of my favorite salamanders. Okay. Uh, Super-sized predator. They were a lot different than modern salamanders. Okay. Uh, I think he got 20 feet. And, and are we talking millions of years or thousands of years or what? Oh, millions of years ago. This is okay. before dinosaurs. Oh, okay. okay. Okay, never mind. I'm just trying to think. Like, There's always been giant salamanders that pop back up in history. So 
after the dinosaurs went extinct, they had an opportunity to take over some niches, mm-hmm. and they did. So some big ones like that came yeah. back? I don't know if any big ones like that came back. There were some quite large Andreas. I mean, what, like 15 feet? I don't know. Or 10? I'm just trying to like get a... Because I'm, I'm trying to subscribe to the Nessie Salamander theory. Um, is, there, is it possible, you know, something that big could still exist? Where that six-footer might have been a juvenile or something, you know what I mean? I don't get where he... he I, the only reason I think he comes at the... Uh, Salamander, or the being a juvenile, it's just the size, yeah, like the purported size of Nessie. Because yeah. I mean, I could see that, and like a couple of the accounts talk about it, I guess, outside of the water walking. Um, I guess you would know that better. Salamanders normally do that. You just said earlier they did a little bit to go around a structure, These, yeah. Andreas do sometimes, it's mm-hmm. not you know, it's not preferable. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to follow the same as the giant Japanese and the giant Chinese. Right, right. Uh, hellbenders do not go out of the water, really, at ever all. Ever on purpose. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm looking up the biggest one in history. Okay. You're asking questions I wasn't prepared for. No, I know, but this pops in my head. But yeah, I could see uh, old Nessie just being a, a salamander instead. I'm just wondering, you know, it hasn't been seen so long. Salamanders normally live on the bottom, too, right? Yeah, and they're long-lived, uh, slow breeders mm-hmm. of these giant salamanders. And do they do they just sit on the bottom? Yeah, pretty much. They can swim, but it takes a lot more effort than they're willing to put out. So I'm wondering, too, you know, they always do these sonar scans of the lock and things like that. So, yeah, that would be a good way to not be found. Exactly. You're just hiding. You're mm-hmm. not hiding, but you're just a log on the bottom, you know, or an old tree that sunk down there, or just any order, other structure down there. I guess it wouldn't really blip up on the screen as... Nine feet. Okay. For that family group is what I is as far as I can find. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't look anything odd off the bottom. It would look like the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I can. I mean, oh, we can't find Nessie. She's not swimming around anywhere. Must be right. Non-existent. And the one, the one famous sonar graph of that giant flipper in the lock. Uh huh. You ever seen that? Uh, it's not popping. Sideways sonar scanning. It looks like it has a flipper. Hmm. And they're like, oh, we just barely missed her. Hmm. I always kind of after reading this, I thought it was a head. Yeah. The big flat head of one of these guys. Ah, not a flipper. Yeah, it makes more sense. The whole it? creature. You're actually you actually caught the whole creature. Or what if you? Oh, okay. I was say what if even the tail flipping like same. That could be too. Yeah, like they just caught the end of it. Like it's I don't yeah. know. No, no, that, that really could be too. Uh, yeah, and they're trying to find. I don't think so. Here's my big thing with Lake and River monsters. They're never as big as people think they are. Mm-hmm. I proved that with big fish in my own life. Mm-hmm. When you see big alligator gar, and I mean big alligator gar, you see a six foot alligator gar, it might as well be twenty. Oh, right. You know, it's it's bigger fish than you're expecting to see. Uh, that's really famous for people in Michigan pike. It's famous for you know, fishermen in general. In general, <laughs> but you know, seeing a like I've heard people telling me they've seen six, seven foot, eight foot long pipe, and I'm like, you didn't. No. Yeah, I believe you've seen a really big pike. Don't uh-huh. get me wrong. I believe you may have seen a five foot pike. Uh huh. But you're talking about you're you're claiming it's being claimed that you're seeing uh, freaks of nature very often. Yeah, and that's not what that is. You don't know. You, you see something very impressive, mm-hmm. and your brain just goes, "It's really big." But I, that's what happened to me when I caught a muskie. I just seen its head, and I thought but you this... really caught a really big muskie. Um, yeah, I'm from for this sort of. I mean, it was a big fish, but it's not a six seven footer. It's right. a four yeah. foot fish. Yeah. But when I saw its head. 
that might as well have been the biggest fish it in the world. 30 feet. Oh my, yeah, I, th- I thought it was. Like, I, when we went to the sturgeon runs for Michigan, mm-hmm. and people that live there will say, like, no, that's a 10 foot sturgeon, that's 11 foot sturgeon. Lake sturgeon don't get that big. Mm-hmm. All the sturgeon in there, the biggest one's six foot. So, yeah, I was gonna say six, seven foot probably. You know, it's 10, it's 11, it's 12 feet. Which, you know, something six foot laying on, you see it, that's a giant. And then there's honestly. water refraction. Right, that too, yeah. And then there's, and most of the time in the lock, you're only seeing a piece of it. Mm-hmm. So you're imagining a lot bigger of a creature. Mm-hmm. Your so brain fills in the gaps. More of the creature than you're realizing. Mm-hmm. Instead of seeing, you think you're seeing twenty percent of the animal, you're actually seeing fifty percent of the animal, sixty percent of the animal. You might think what's just the tail could yeah. be the whole body and head and all. Yeah, and they could be coming up. So while they're on the surface in the middle of the lock, they could be coming up to swallow air for buoyancy. Hmm. Uh, they do that from time to time. Uh, they could also, being that cold, they'd have a super whole, a slow digestion. And it could build up gases on the food they're digesting. Like the food is rotting quicker in their gut mm-hmm. than they can digest it. Mm-hmm. And so it builds up gases until they burp at the surface. Oh, ah, okay. So that could be why Nessie's hanging out if she's a giant salamander. Yeah. Ooh, interesting theory. So this could be one of those uh, big salamanders that are missing in Europe. That's what, Yeah, exactly. And pretty much every big lake in Europe has a lake monster. Mm-hmm. Every big lake in North America has a lake monster. Uh, there seems to be the giant eels, and there seems to be these other things. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if the other things are more of these salamanders, natural animals that have are on the brink of extinction. Mm-hmm. Cryptid, yes, but not the three-legged monstrosity from Indiana that looked like a like a creeper from Minecraft. That's a real cryptid. Okay, it was seen before Minecraft, though. Just right. so we know. There you go. But it did have three legs, and it was green. Interesting. Uh. But you have these animals, I think, that are maybe on the brink of extinction. Uh, but anything, Nessie, if she's just, she's not warm-blooded. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not an air breather. Mm-hmm. There's too many eyes on that lake. Right. For that, and then not a lot of boat traffic. Right, exactly. There's a, there's a little bit of boat traffic. There's a couple commercial eeling vessels. But there's not like, it's not like Lake Champlain, which we talked about last week. Or the, a couple weeks ago, I don't know when this episode comes out, uh, where there's constant boat traffic. Right. Lake Champlain's also not just tourist destination for the monster. It's also a beautiful lake for just general tourism. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's constant boat traffic. There's a little bit of commercial fishing. You know, it's a huge lake that has, you know, an animal coming up to breathe may be easier to miss. Mm-hmm. Than this giant cold flat lake that everybody's looking for the for, monster. Exactly. In Loch Ness. Mm-hmm. There literally is these giant areas in Loch Ness to stand and watch. Viewing areas, yeah. I bet there is. I mean, why not? I would charge a quarter for it. So what's your what do you think? About salamanders in general or like it's the, whatever the European... you want to tell me. <laughs> I know, I like this little theory here. I mean, even with the sinkhole Sam tying back to that, it's I, I so that they did that. They tied it back to sinkhole Sam. Well, I mean, just I mean this conversation now. Tie I have it back to single Sam. Yes. Yeah. Like, why not? I mean, if it's it checks all the boxes, so there's there's something there to it. I'm not on full 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 um, force going to say like I believe this, but you're make you're making an argument. They made arguments that convinced me. I would have never. I've heard the giant salamander theory for Loch uh, Loch Ness, and I didn't believe it before. Right. Yeah. And because it's some people like say, oh, it's a Kulosuchus. No, it's not a Kulosuchus. That species would it be long, long, long gone. It could be another giant salamander, mm-hmm. but it's not Kulosuchus. Yeah, no, just salamander in general. I mean, it's a lot of the a lot of the traits, you know, kind of uh, fit these fit that. 
so hmm. they kind of think that like with this theory that the top outsides would be around the 20 feet for Nessie. Okay. So even if you want to believe there's a 20-foot salamander in Loch Ness, that is a very impressive salamander. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a salamander that is long as a great white shark. Yeah, that's huge. So you can, I can forgive the stories of 30 and 40 and 50 feet mm-hmm. of Loch Ness. Uh, oh, gosh. What was the pope? Not the pope. The priest that cast out the River Ness monster into the loch because it was eating kids. Oh, I don't know. That was in the 17th? I don't know. It was in the 7th century or something like that. I don't think I know that story. Yeah. Yeah. He put one of his priests or one of his altar boys basically in the river as bait, and he cast out with the power of God and pushed it into the loch because so, people needed the river more than... They, nobody swims in a loch. Right, yeah. Everybody swims in the river. And it worked? Yeah. They uh, Supposedly, there's a whole bunch of witnesses. It's on a bunch of church carvings of this giant thing swimming up towards the loch and going in the loch. Wow, okay. Oh my gosh. It was gonna eat the guy. The power of Christ compels you. Mm-hmm. Big salamander. Yeah. <laughs> uh but no, if a hellbender get or any salamander got twenty feet, it would eat you. If it got the chance. You'd probably be moving too fast, but it would try. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's kind of seems to be like the description of Nessie is just something like that big. But and not- she's eating people. She's eating goats. Uh that was the big thing, is she's eating a lot of sheep. Oh, really? That whenever time, like, sheep get pushed in the lock and stuff, you'll just see them start going down. And it's probably this giant salamander, like, ooh, lamb. Interesting. I didn't know there were reports of that. Oh, yeah. She'd and, come on land and eat them, too. And I don't want to make this a whole Nessie episode. Excuse me, I burped. A whole Nessie episode, but uh, as far as salamanders go, I might be getting convinced. There you go. Hmm. Now you ready for more biology lessons? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. So... There are over 600 species of true salamander in the world. 600? 600. Over. And this is an old, older number because the giant Chinese salamander just had a new subspecies discovered. Okay. And the hellbender, which we'll talk about in a minute, I keep hinting at, has a new subspecies. Okay. That's kind of separate from the other population, which is really cool. Hmm. Which may just be a full-on different species. Species in general, yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about some of the 10 largest in the world. And it's not the, actually the 10 largest. It's kind of 10 supersized ones of their either their family group or just kind of a, a big wide spread of this list. Okay. So you get a little taste of everything. Okay. First one, common mud puppy. Pretty much anywhere in the Mississippi, Great Lakes area, uh, you have a chance of running into one of these guys. And this is just straight up salamander? Yep. Uh, they The maximum they can grow is 17 inches. So almost a foot and a half. Okay. Uh, typically, you know, they're more around the, the foot mark. Uh, they are gilled. Uh, let me see. So they're also known as water dogs, common mud puppies. And these are Nocturus maculacius. Uh, yeah, it's aquatic salamander. So these are gilled salamanders. Uh, they do not leave the water of their own volition. Uh they're you know fully aquatic is this different than a mud skipper yes that's a fish okay just making sure that's a fish that went the opposite way what do you mean salamander the salamander oh, went into the water fish mud skippers went come out. out gotcha okay cool <laughs> uh so they have small flat limbs that make them well adapt for wading through the bottom of rivers and lakes uh around the size of the of these salamanders you know the 13 inches you know up to 17 mud puppies range from southern canada to georgia the entire Midwest and the East Coast. So they are also on the East Coast dra- River dra- or the East Coast drainages. Okay. Uh, so these guys spread over a wide array of dra- drainages, which when we talk about the Hellbender in a minute, that's kind of the one that doesn't, and that's there's a little bit of questions why. Okay. 
Uh, they are not picky eaters, eating almost anything they can fit in their mouth. Uh, their diet consists of insects, small fish, amphibians, worms, spiders, mollusks, uh, and each other. You ever caught one? Yes. Okay. Uh, few predators hunt mud puppies. Most fishermen frequently discard them if they are caught. Thanks to their widespread distribution, the IC, uh, the, the red list, uh, them as a species of least concern. So they're not endangered at all. Yeah, they have a big enough range and a big enough population. If they go locally extinct, mm-hmm. like that's a big thing in Ohio, is we don't have a lot of them left. Mm-hmm. But they're all, every side of us has them. Gotcha. Okay. So they're doing they're doing fairly well. If we wanted them back, it wouldn't be hard to bring them back, yeah. right? Uh, so they're on all the Great Lakes. Uh, Burt Lake is where I caught mine. Um, basically, they're they cover the bottom. Fish do not like eating them. They're slightly toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, some fish eat them. You you catch a fish that has one in its gut every once in a while. Yeah. You know, the fish will kind of take them if they're hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I we caught... So we had rattle cans. It's like a big automatic reel you leave for bigger species overnight okay. while, while you're sleeping in the hut. Yeah. So these are in the hut with us, and the mud puppies aren't big enough to rattle. They can eat the bait, and you pull them up, and you hook them, throw them back. Oh, gotcha. Some fishermen throw them on the ice, and I hate that. I always try to scoop them up and throw them back in the water. What, just to kill them? Yeah, because they get annoyed with them. Gotcha. If you're catching them, your bait's too low. Mm. It's your fault. Aha. Uh-huh. They don't swim off the bottom. Gotcha. Don't pick it up another inch, and you won't have an issue. <laughs> yeah. uh, the next is the Russian cave dragon. Oh, okay. Okay, the Ulm. Oh, yes. I know this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the potato... Or the... Parchius or the Ulm, and it's Parchius angrius is the scientific name. Uh, I hate scientific names. They're good for a reason. I hate reading them. Is <laughs> the only salamander in Europe that lives exclusively in caves. The Ulm goes by many other names, including cave salamander and human fish, due to its fleshy pink skin color. Hmm. They typically measure 8 to 12 inches long, but especially large specimens can reach 16 inches in length. Their lifespan is extremely long compared to most other amphibians. Uh, we we have a lot of questions about their lifespan. Because mm-hmm. uh, we don't know much about them, do we? Uh, we've only ever seen one lay eggs. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And Very we've been watching them for like, we've been watching like, like four or five of them for like 70 years. Really? And one's laid eggs once. Wow. Uh, most of the time they eat two or three times a year if they're really lucky. Hmm. Uh, so we don't know about their growth rates, but we're kind of got estimates. So we think they live to be well over 100, so maybe 120, 130. Dang. But some estimates put them up to the, the three to 400 mark. And how? And they're only how big? Up to 17 inches. 16 Dang, inches. Dang, you would think something that lived that old. Well, look at Greenland sharks. They grow a centimeter a year. Right, yeah. Well, I'm saying if something was that old, it would maybe be a little bit bigger. Uh, I mean, it depends. You may, they may only grow a millimeter a year. Mm-hmm. So it takes them 10 years to grow a centimeter. Gotcha. So, you know, it takes a long time for them yeah. to get big. Yeah. Uh, I, as far as I know, that group of eggs has never hatched, as far as I remember. Well, that probably takes like 70 more years. Yeah. It could take a while. Olms live their entire lives in, in the water, in caves throughout uh, Central and Southeastern Europe, especially in the Slovenia, Korea, uh, Bosnia, and Herzegovina. Herzegovina? I've never heard of that country. I've heard uh, of the rest of them. Yeah. Although they're uh, completely blind. Their other senses have evolved with extreme sensitivity. Hmm. They can sense sound waves in the water and in the ground. They can detect the presence of any organic compounds in the water and around them. Their diets include small crustaceans, snails, insects, which they swallow whole rather than chew. Due to their hypersensitivity to environmental conditions and pollution, 
they have been listed as vulnerable. Mm. They're not even they're not red listed. No, because we've we've got them pretty protected. This, uh, so that is the red list. So a red list puts them on somewhere on there. You're not red listed until you're critically endangered. Oh, okay. They're on the list though. Yeah, every animal's on the list. It has a ranking. Oh, okay, gotcha. Red list means you're all the way on the end. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, I just use the IUCN is the one that controls the list. Hmm. IUCN. I don't. I don't remember what it stands for off the top of my head. <laughs> Oxalotls are number eight at, on this list. Oxalotls. You ever heard of these things? Oh yeah, you only have three of them in uh, your uh, on your front porch. Yeah, I used to breed oxalotls. Yeah. And I can sign their scientific name perfectly. I'm sure you can. Ambiostoma mexicanum. Oh, that one. That ain't a hard one. No, it's really easy. Yeah. Ambiostoma are mole salamanders. It is the family group that exists uh, throughout the U.S. continent. Oh, okay. Uh, mole sal- they, they are large salamanders that like to burrow. Oxalotls, though, are called neotonics, so they stay in their juvenile state in the water. Uh, they measure generally between 9 and 12 inches. Some have been up to 18 inches long. Oh, that's a big one. I've seen one. It's 18 inches long. Really? Yeah. Brian Zimmerman has it. The Ohio's non-game biologist for fish. Oh, really? It's his pet. Is it got to be like one of the biggest ones? It look. It doesn't look real. Yeah. It, it's completely blind and it's black and it has like white old scars on it. Wow. It looks like space. Is it old? I mean, it's got to be. Yeah. Right. No, it, he doesn't know how old it is. Wow. Oh, but it's one of the black ones. Yeah. Melanoid. Do they, um, they come in three colors, right? Uh, golden, which is... Uh, Oh, which is a type of albinism. They come in albino. They come in melanoid, which is black. They come in copper, which is brown. They oh. come in natural, which is just kind of a... That pinky color? That flat. And then they come in leucistic, which is pinky. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And is that the most common one? The pink one? That's the most popular for the pet trade. Oh, okay. Oxalals are fully extinct in the wild. Gotcha. Uh, due to the... They're only found in two freshwater cold lakes in Mexico, and Mexico City was built on top of them. They're super sustainable or super sensitive to pollution. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the IUCN still has them listed as critically endangered. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're extinct. Gotcha. The only reason their list is critically endangered is there was one recorded because like two years ago during COVID. Yeah. There was three of them, a group of three of them recorded. Uh, and it was a golden, a pink, and a copper. None of those exist in nature. They were somebody's pets that, that they, they released into the homeland. Yeah. To die. What's the what's the com what's the ones that exist in nature? They're just like a brown. They're a natural color. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, none of those would survive long in nature. Gotcha. Yeah, they st- kind of stand out. The reticulated siren is the next man on our list, and we're gonna lump him in with the lesser siren too, which is the one after that. Okay. I guess and the greater siren. Okay, so three uh, sirens. There's here. three sirens. Cool family. So the reticulated gets up to two feet. The greater gets up to thirty eight inches, and the lesser gets up to twenty seven. Okay. Uh, they have pretty much a range all over the Mississippi and the East Coast. Oh wow! Uh, pretty, they're like more like an, an oxalotl mermaid. They don't have; they only have front legs, big gilled heads, but super long snake-like bodies. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, I used to have sirens back in the day. A really cool species to keep. They sound cool. Uh, so, reticulated sirens are are they have special status because they're not yet been evaluated. They're the newest species. They were just discovered in 2018. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's weird. A guy described them in, like, the 50s. Yeah. And then they disappeared, and then they repopped up. Nice, okay. Uh, lesser sirens have uh, least concern status, and greater sirens have least concern status. So they're it's considered locally abundant. Okay. So they're not they're really hard to find, 
But when you find them, there's a lot of them. Gotcha. Number four, the Hellbender. So we just did three in a row. I just, because I lumped all the sirens in. Mm -hmm. But the Hellbender, uh, they can reach five pounds. Uh, The average one's, you know, three and a half pounds. Uh, 30 inches in length, you know, is typical. Um, And that's Cryptobronchius alleganius. Do they have any special weird powers, like the ohm and the oxlotl? Uh, kind of. They're really good parents. Oh. So that's kind of rare for salamanders. They're more of a leave it and let's go. Okay. Uh, they guard nests. They have nesting sites. Um, they will eat young if they if if young are present. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of really good pres- parents. Cool. Okay. They are found in everywhere from still tiny streams to swift, uh, fast-moving rivers. They will, they will get there. Okay, gotcha. They're kind of really determined to get up like riffles and stuff. I've seen videos of them. They kind of turn their head down. They're like big flat scoots. Okay. So they, they point their head down and like walk up a riffle. It's gotcha. Crazy. That'd be cool to see. Uh, number three, who do you think it is? Um, the Japanese. Yep. Nailed it. And that is Andreas Japaconius. Japaconius. Hmm. Jap on Ecus. <laughs> Japicus. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they can grow up to 58 pounds. Ooh. Five feet long. Now we're getting some... B- big ones. Mm-hmm. These are the big guys. Uh, so their Japanese name is Osan Hoshio. Osan Hoshio. Okay. Uh, and that translates to giant pepperfish. Oh, cool. Don't know why. It's probably because they try to eat them and they burned because they're <laughs> poisonous. Yeah. Uh, so the largest salamander in the world... Is not native to China. Is has been argued, uh, the Chinese gets bigger, in my opinion. Uh, but they like just like the Hellbender. They like clear, fast moving water. They like little brooks and stuff like that. They just get bigger. Didn't you say a guy uh, in Japan has his whole basement? That one has been taken from him. Oh, okay. So that was a two hundred year old salamander. Uh, so we're getting into the the guys. So Hellbenders can live to be like in their eighties. Yeah, as far as we know. But now we're getting into the real giants right yeah uh so he had one his family it's like four generations been taking care of the salamander they literally redirected a stream into their basement made it a pond with clean clear fresh water flowing in and out i can't remember how it got discovered but let's say like one day i uh i think it was like some kind of japanese official was like doing something for the watershed and was like why are you redirecting all this water you know it's that's really suspicious and Finally, they got in the house, and there's literally a, like a five and a half foot, sixty pound salamander in the basement. The whole basement, and they're feeding it. And his grandpa got it as a baby, and then the family's been taking care of it for like four generations. Yeah, which is nuts. And then they took it, and put it in the zoo. Oh man! And yeah, I just said you should have put a glass window in the basement so people can come come and see watch it. it. Yeah, they've been doing a really good job taking care of them because they're notoriously hard to keep. Hmm. Yeah, if you keep one for four generations, yeah, you, you must be doing something you right. Got it down pretty good. That, that how sweet would that be to redirect a river into your basement? I would do it. I would do in a heartbeat. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and he is listed. Let's see what he's listed as. The population is threatened by pollution, but I'm trying to find their red list. Oh, they're near threatened. So they've had a considerable bounce back. Uh, they used to ha- they were kind of like monsterized by the Japanese people as being kappas, like we talked about earlier. Yep. Uh, they're not now they're kind of incentivized to keep them around gotcha okay uh japanese are very proud of their heritage mm-hmm. so they kind of spun it to make it 
you should be proud to have these things. Gotcha. And now they're actually popping up in some cities in Japan and stuff like that. Nice. You'll see them walking like, you, you know, like how like the rivers run in Dayton and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You'll see them walking right, right beside the sidewalk. They that's... make little sidewalks for them in the water. Oh, that's pretty cool. So they can get out and walk around. Well, that's... not out of the water, but they can get out of the current. Right, I see what you're walk saying. walk around. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, so they've done good jobs with them. They bounce back, so they're just near threatened now. They're embracing them, which is a hell of a thing because they were pretty much extinct for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, good deal. So, who's next? I have two spots left. Let's see if you can get this right. Well, one of them's got to be the Chinese. Oh, which one? Number two. Nope. Oh, dang it. The number two is the South China giant salamander. Oh, it's close enough. Uh, yeah. So the South China giant salamander, Andreas Siglio is arguably the largest species of salamander in the world. Its closest relative, the Chinese giant salamander, the largest known specimen, measured uh, 5.9 feet long, first described in 1924 by British zoologists. The specimen was uh, distinct enough to merit its own classification. However, very little is known about the species to conduct a proper evaluation of its genome, behavior, and physical description. So this one has been uh, this one's been hiding for a while. Okay. Uh, the South China giant salamander once lived throughout southern China, particularly the Pearl River Basin in the Ninglin Mountains. However, overcollection for food and medical uh, purposes severely limited their population. At present, most live side by side with other giant salamanders in farms. It is possible that no specimen exists in the wild. Due to this reduction to the farmed animals, the, I, the IUCN has listed the southern China giant salamander as critically endangered. Mm, okay. But this is the one, if you remember back to our Trinity's Alps giant salamander episode, they rediscovered it in nature. They found a population that was untouched by the farm ones. Okay. So they do exist. Gotcha. So they are critically endangered is correct, but they were pretty much just putting that as a safety thing. They thought they were extinct. Gotcha. Okay. And our big guy. The giant Chinese salamander. How big did they get? 130 pounds. That's me. I, that's, that's a person. Yeah. So the Chinese giant salamander, Andranius deversonii, or Davidsonii, is the largest salamander and one of the heaviest amphibians in the world. I don't know why it says one of it is. like The heaviest? It could eat the next heaviest amphibian. Gotcha. Uh, they can grow up to 5.9 feet. We only saw that because that was the biggest specimen recorded. Uh, but they uh, and weighed that one weighed 130 pounds. Dang. While the while the South China giant salamander may grow larger, enough proof of that does not exist yet. So they, they kind of think that the Southern Chinese salamander, the one that just came back, mm. may get bigger. Okay. Uh, and that's the one that if you see pictures of you just type in giant Chinese salamander on Google, the orange one is the Southern giant. Oh, okay. Uh, so they are different enough, but. They pretty much they were pretty much wiped out for a long time. Farming has now helped the wild ones bounce back. Okay, gotcha. Because they're not being harvested. Because it's now it's just cheaper to buy a farm one. Uh, their bodies typically appear dark brown with a speckled pattern. So the Chinese giant salmon, which we're on, is the darker of the two. Right. Uh, they're they're Nick. They're so they have a Chinese name. I'm not going to try to read the Chinese name, <laughs> but it translates to infant fish. Okay. And I don't know why. So for 170 million years, the Chinese giant salamander has ranged through China, but their range is now uh, severely fragmented. In the wild, they prefer to live in rocky crevices near the banks of clear water or clear lakes and fast-moving streams. Large numbers of these animals live in farms in China, but some specimens have been released into rivers in Japan. Their diet of insects, amphibians, fish, crabs, shrimp, 
uh, in water shrews, they eat a lot of rats. Oh, nice. Uh, which they hunt by uh, sensing vibrations in the water. Since the 1950s, over 80% of their population in the wild has been uh, disappeared. They are critically endangered. Hmm, so that's such a giant Chinese. They're critically endangered. Yeah, they're all critically endangered. Okay. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Uh, so they get big. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, oh, and the, the funny one about the Chinese giant ones that they put in Japan, they are systematically hunting them down and killing them. The Chinese? Yeah, because they're really invasive in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah, because the Japanese do not get that big. Comparatively mm-hmm. to the Chinese giant salamanders. Gotcha. So... A juvenile Chinese giant salamander is the size of a really big adult Japanese. Japanese one, yeah. So it's easy to bully. So they don't like that. Yeah. Especially I, the Japanese do not like it. No, they don't like anything outside their culture that right. it comes in. So yeah. Ta-da! That's your salamander. Definitely. I don't know. I, I definitely learned more about salamanders today than I ever have. I'll put it that way. But why aren't they in Europe? Well, we, we talked about they are. But why aren't they more I prevalent? Think, yeah, so I think the, the lesson of this is that they actually are in Europe. Uh, they probably wiped out really early due to the early industrialization and pollution. Mm-hmm. And they were the populations that did survive were relegated to myths and legends and monsters. So you think they're not here now currently? I don't, I don't because... think the, any of the ones in Europe are left. And if they are, they may be in like stuff like Switzerland or Loch Ness. Sweden. I don't think the Loch Ness one, if they are there, there's not many of them. Because mm-hmm. right? uh, the, the lock's been dammed up for a while. Right, yeah. So leaving is a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about with the Trinity's Alps giant salamanders having problems actually getting to historic breeding grounds. Gotcha. Because they can't lay their eggs in there. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Oh, I don't the, think they could lay their eggs in the lock. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I th- also think, like you said before, pollution might be a big factor why in Europe they're just so, kind of gone. Yeah. I think they were, I don't think anybody was calling a person that would be what we'd call today a biologist to kind of document this. I think they were really calling stuff like priests and stuff because they were demons, monsters. Because mm-hmm. that's why the fire salamander, they believe witches would send them to cause fires. So every time they see one, they killed it. Yeah. Every time. And that's why they went almost extinct. So maybe the trensil worm was actually the, the, the giant European salamander. And they just... Every time they've seen one, they kill Off of it. its head, yeah. And they're not hard to kill. I mean, they're big, soft, squishy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just salamanders. Right, yeah. Uh, God bless their heart. <laughs> right, at the but end of the day, they're, they're just, just salamanders. salamanders. They don't care how big a salamander gets, unless it's the size of an orca, Yeah, you're probably going to get away. Right, or you can cut it pretty just easily with stab. a... Stab. with a big... I mean, if you throw some stick. Pepsi on it, it's going to die. Pepsi? Yeah, anything like that. It's super acidic, and it's going to just kill them. Mm. Well, it might, like, choke them out, right, with the CO2? Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's not good for him. Okay. Pepsi. <laughs> Any other questions for this oh, I've... heavily educational episode? No, it's no questions, but it's it has been heavy on the education, but it's been fun learning about it. It's been a hell it. of a ride. Uh, a hellbender of a ride. A hellbender of a ride. Oh, that's a good title. You got to get my giant metal salamander made. Oh, yeah. We need to. Yep. We will get that done. Okay. We need a form. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been the great and powerful Mr. E. And I've been the... Uh, 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 Lasagna <laughs> Lizard J. <laughs> lasagna Lizard? I, okay, well, I'll adopt that nickname for... The Lasagna Lizard J. Yep. And together, we've been Crips of the Corn Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this water dragon ride. <gasps> oh. 
You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.